You're listening to 06 Answers, where every week we interview a different member from the West Point class of 2006. When you ask 06 questions, you'll get 06 Answers. You're listening to the 06 Answers podcast. I'm your host, Matt Wang. Joining me here on today's episode is Nerea Cal. She is an active duty lieutenant colonel and a PhD student at Yale University, currently out of New Haven, Connecticut. She entered West Point from Miami, Florida, was in B3 Bandits as a plebe, and F4 Go Frogs as an upperclassman. Nerea, I want to thank you for joining the show. And we are recording, you know, during the holiday season. So I got to ask, like, are there any holiday traditions or celebrations that hold a close place in your heart during this time of the year? Yeah, I mean, so we're going to head to my mother-in-law's for Thanksgiving. But Thanksgiving was always a big deal in my family. We love to eat stuffing was the favorite and my mom used to have to make like double batches of it just just gathering around the table i come from a really big family i'm the oldest of five my dad is the oldest of nine so whether we were traveling to see family or not we always had a lot of people and then we would invite people over it's always been like i've always really looked forward to that and christmas has always been really magical in my family too there's the religious component where you know we're catholic and we are religious so that's important but like as a kid i think christmas is always you know super magical and now having children even more so because you kind of get to see it you know through their eyes again and every like lights on people's houses are amazing and just the anticipation so yeah it's a really it's a really fun time i also as a parent and i'm appreciating how hectic of a time it is. And I'm like, why does everybody have to have a party? I don't have time for this. But but like we talked about before, when it comes to kids, like trying to really appreciate the crazy moments as like part of the memories that my kids are going to have as, you know, as part of their childhood. So yeah, it should be, it should be fun. And I, and I will say in the current state I'm in as a student, I do have a lot more flexibility, you know, to travel and see family and enjoy these things. So I appreciate that. Yeah. And, you know, you're in Connecticut, I'm in New York, and you're just talking about seeing kids, right? And, and our, our kids seeing and experiencing Christmas. And it got me thinking about like the Rockefeller Christmas tree and, mm-hmm. and thinking about Home Alone now in a different lens as a parent versus a, a kid watching it thinking, that's awesome. Now yeah. I can only think about like Kevin's parents and like the madness that they went through. Oh my gosh, the sheer panic. <laughs> yes. Oh my gosh, that's such a good point. Yeah. And then right before we get into the uh, the questions, I was going to ask a little bit more about your background. So can you tell us about your experience uh, as a cadet swim team member? Because that's something that I've always you know admired about our guests and our classmates who've gone down that path. Yeah. I mean, swimming is really what got me to West Point because even though I grew up as an army brat, my dad is a 76 grad. I have to give him credit. He never really talked about West Point. He didn't even really talk about the army that much other than like, we just kind of lived it. You know, we moved, he came home in a uniform, but he didn't bring his work home. We never felt like this was a path we needed to follow. But I, you know, I got pretty serious into swimming in high school, was doing well, wanted, really, really loved it. Even though, like, I like to joke with people when they ask me like, you know, what'd you do in high school and college? And I'm like, I'm built just like Michael Phelps, obviously, as a swimmer, <laughs> which I'm not. I'm five foot two and like I don't have like a natural comp- body composition to be a swimmer, but I just loved it. And I was looking at a lot of other schools. Uh, you know, I wanted to go to a good academic school, but I did want to continue swimming. I was looking at a bunch of other schools, getting recruited. And then the West Point coach called me and I literally laughed <laughs> when I hung up the phone and was like, guys, you're never going to believe who just called me. Like this guy thinks... I'm going to go to a military school. 
you know, they flew me out there for a recruiting trip. I started to learn and understand what West Point was about and what it could offer. And it just kind of clicked, you know, like I just felt like this is the right place for me. And that's, yeah, how I ended up there. And then getting to swim at West Point was, I mean, it was challenging. There were definitely times where, I mean, morning practices, four days a week, every afternoon, long Saturdays, having to come back early. Like people might not know, we had to come back early from Christmas break Hmm. to train because that's like the height of our season. And in a sport like swimming, if you take time off, you can really lose like the gains that you've been making in training. So my plebe year, I had to fly back like a week early and train like, like three a days basically. And I'm from Miami. I mean, I went to middle school and high school in Miami, Florida. So like going back to this like gloomy gray (laughs) place and it's plebe year. So everyone's just like, you know, a little bit miserable. It was rough. It was rough. Thankfully, every year after that, the swim team went to Puerto Rico and trained, which is what most swim teams teams will take their teams to a warm place because they're like, well, sorry, we're taking up your, you know, vacation time. So it it got better. But I, I mean, I am really grateful that I had the opportunity to continue to swim all four years. I've made some, you know, really incredible friendships. We had a really small group of 06 girls, Jen Nam, Chelsea Haviland, and Selena Cooney. And unfortunately, very sporadic, very sporadically keep in touch with Chelsea Haviland, not very well. Selena Cooney has fallen off the map a little bit. I, I Facebook friended her recently, though. Jen Nam and I have remained really tight. In fact, just a couple weekends ago, there were nine of us 06 girls and an 07 girl who got together in Charleston for a reunion weekend. And Jen was part of that. So it gave me a lot. Discipline, teammates, got me out of drill. That, that's nice. <laughs> an added benefit yeah and it's a life skill you know like i don't do it as much as i should right now but i do keep swimming so i don't swim as much as i should but it's it's something that i do you know use to to maintain fitness and especially when i was pregnant it was clutch very nice i do have to ask about the four years part of the experience because i i feel like it must be a lot to you know get recruited for swimming and then say okay the first year was hard maybe i'll actually think about not doing swimming yeah. and just focus on the military yeah. so like can you walk us through like what made you still commit to doing swimming and like yeah i was having a hard time just getting through west point on its own and doing intramural frisbee but yeah. you know you were doing <laughs> division one and, and core squad so can you walk us through like yeah. what made you still commit to it for all four years I have to say, I don't know that I ever seriously considered quitting. And I think I'm just really stubborn. And I, when I start something, I want to finish it. In in fact, my dad, when he dropped me off for our day, he pulled me aside and said, you know, I'm really proud of you. You're doing this, blah, 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 blah. Most parents, I think, would be like, if this doesn't work out, you can always come back. My dad looked at me dead in the eyes and said, remember, cows aren't quitters. And I was like, cool, dude, no pressure, you know. (laughs) But I think that that is just like a part of my personality where like, if I decide to do something, I'm going to do it. And I did really love swimming. There were definitely tough times where I wasn't doing well. I wasn't swimming as fast as I wanted and stuff. But, you know, it was I wanted to be able to say like I stuck with this and did it. Yeah, no, it's awesome. The story of, you know, being having the grit to just push through it. And and I'm sure we're going to talk a little bit more about as we get to the questions. So maybe I'll jump into to question sure. one. So what's a core memory or story of yours from the West Point days that stands out? 
Okay. So I have two similar to, to Seth Beamer. One is, one is funny. One is serious. And I think I'll start with the serious one just so we can lighten things up afterwards. But a lot of people might know the name Dennis Zelinsky. He was an 04 grad and he was a swimmer. He was my team captain when I was a yuck. I was also in his company as a plebe and it was my <laughs> distinct honor to wake him up every morning for morning practice. Um, when he found out I was in his company, he was like, yeah, I'm not a morning person. You need to come knock on my door and get me. And I was like, like, I'm a plebe. He was in a three person room. This is going to look real weird. I'm getting up at like, you know, 5 a.m., knocking on a cow's door. But that's what I did. And we walked to, to practice every morning together. We also trained the same event. We we're both butterflyers. And this guy basically became like the big brother I never had. And unfortunately, on uh, November 19th, actually, of uh, 2005, he was killed in Iraq by an IED. And when that happened, I was in my room. My sister just by happenstance happened to be stopping by. My sister's an 07 grad. I don't know if you knew that. But she was also a swimmer. She just happened to be stopping by my room. And Jen Nam called me. This is when we had landlines in our rooms and gave me the news. And I just was devastated. I just lost it. And I'm so grateful that my sister was there to literally catch me as I like fell to the ground. But that is definitely a core memory. And it is, you know, defined my life in so many ways because, um, sorry, I'm getting a little emotional, but I think about all of the things that Dennis didn't get to do that we all do get to do. Get married, have families, just continue to grow and professionally and personally. And his parents are amazing people. They started a foundation in his name. They run, you know, several events throughout the year and they've become a part of my family. Um, they came to my wedding. His grandmother knitted a blanket for my first daughter. They were at my promotion recently. In fact, tomorrow I'm going to West Point because his company, one of the cadets in his company is doing an event um, in his memory since his, the anniversary of his death is coming up. So, you know, a lot of us swimmers continue to try to honor his memory by participating in these things. And, and West Point's doing a really good job of honoring his memory. But I, like, I mean, that's just, it also just taught me, you know, that was first a year. And I just remember thinking like, oh my God that could be any one of us. And, and we're going to have classmates that we lose. And I need to stop stressing out about grades and coursework and like go to the first D club more and hang out with my classmates because who knows, who knows the next time I'll see them, who knows who we're going to lose. And we need to cherish this time together. And then to lighten things up a little bit, <laughs> I have a memory from our day. So if you remember, right, like you spend all of our day running around, getting fitted for uniforms, blah, blah, blah. And at the end, you have the parade. So we get back to room. We have to change for the parade. And like somehow I never got any pants. I'm going to get dressed now. Like I have no pants. And my platoon sergeant, I had a female platoon sergeant, Julie Porto. And she's like, okay, fine. Here, like wear my pants. This woman is like a five foot six soccer player. I'm five foot two. I was like, how is this going to work? So I'm wearing these pants that are way too big for me. I look ridiculous. I mean, I looked ridiculous anyway. Like they gave us the Teds, you know, you're super sweaty. You're just like, this is no one take a picture of me, please. And I remember we're all like standing in formation, getting ready to march off. And she walks right up to me and she's like, can't, I think they still called us candidate at that point. Right. Cause we hadn't like done the whole oath or whatever. And she's like, 
candidate, why are your pants so big? And my first reaction is like, lady, you gave me these pants. Like, you know why they're too big. But then I realized I'm like, oh, she's just being funny. And it was at that point that I was like, got it. Don't take this too seriously. We got to have fun with it. You know, we're all going through this. We're all going to make it. It's not that big of a deal. And that just changed my whole perspective on like beast. And and I think it was really helpful. Like I ended up being one of those cadets that was like, okay, there's something funny I could do. I might have to push for it, but like, it's totally worth it. <laughs> so yeah, those are my two core memories. And I have to ask, like, did you go back and be a beast cadre member or were you like CFT or something else? No, I ended up being, it was really weird. I ended up being, um, cause I did a bunch of like, like I did like a, a Myad and some other stuff summer going into cow year so i ended up being a like the s1 for buckner which was really random i mean i had a great group of peers like it was um danny huang was was there as like the xo john painter was a commander ali molnix was there as a sergeant major i think so we had like a great crew on staff but it was like really random and i and looking back on it i do wish i had done more of like a direct leadership job i think it would have been developmentally like more valuable but i don't know i was on staff it's fine i feel like what we'll have to do is get the howitzer photos of uh that parade from our day (laughs) to see what it looked like so that way our listeners can really get the whole picture yeah there's a really (laughs) great picture of steph davison that pops up here It's, it's awesome well, Maria, maybe I'll pivot to question two. And uh, what's something that you're most proud of since graduation? Yeah, I mean, I have to say on the personal side of things, it's definitely my family, you know, and the way that my husband Richard and I have been able to navigate, you know, the military lifestyle and having two kids. I had my first as I was wrapping up teaching at West Point 2018. I had my second as I was like in my third year of field grade time, which was interesting. I was at the time like the aviation liaison officer for an armored brigade that was getting ready to deploy to Europe. So, you know, that was an interesting conversation to just be like, listen, my life doesn't stop because you, because the army has needs and I can still serve and be of value to this unit, even if I don't go with you guys. But the way that we've navigated that and then also found a way to like support, you know, his job and his career goals. I'm really proud of that. And my being a mom is and and wife is the most important thing to me. So that's what I'm most proud of personally. And then professionally, I'm really kind of just proud that I'm still here <laughs> and still finding a way to contribute and be of value to the army. Um, there's definitely been some tough times and some moments when I thought about leaving and wondering if this was really still the place for me. So being able to to stick it out and find the right place for me, I'm proud of that. Yeah, I, I know question five is going to touch a little bit on what you had in terms of a vision uh, as a cadet versus now. But can you also like walk us through kind of your decision to like stay in and, and yeah. you know, see it through? I know you talked about, you know, the stubbornness, but I mean, there's got to be more yeah. to it than, than just uh, keep going. Yeah, I mean, that is part of it. But I mean, just to be a little bit more, I guess, transparent about it. My first year as a field, as a major at, back at an operational unit after teaching at West Point and then going to CGSC was really, really challenging, mostly because of just not getting along with my boss, which was really disappointing. I'd worked with him before. He had like asked me to come work for him, but 
and it was my, you know, I, I had a toddler and she and I had been, so when I went to CGSC, my husband got activated with his reserve unit. So I solo mommed through CGSC for the most part. And then I got, you know, to Fort Carson, I'm an S3, super intense. We're like getting ready to go to JRTC. We've got a deployment to Afghanistan coming up. Like it was, you know, it was intense. I had to leave several times. The first time I really had to like leave my daughter and I was navigating all that stuff personally. And then also, you know, trying to like kind of understand, learn how to be an S3. I mean, like you don't go into it. That's the thing about the army, right? Is like, you, you show up to a job, you have no idea how to do it. You figure out how to do it. And then they move you to a new job you don't know how to do. And yeah, it was really, really challenging. He and I just really, really clashed to the point where I started to really question whether this was like what I should be doing. And I mean, at that point, I couldn't get out. Like I still had a, a commitment and I didn't really have a plan B, but I started to really like consider it and think about okay, if I don't do this, what do I want to do? Like, what do I want to be when I grow up? And thankfully it was around this time that, um, well, one, he changed out as a commander. I got a new commander. And then Sosh also offered me the opportunity to go back to school and then come back to teach, but stay operational, stay not as like a permanent professor. And I realized, okay, yes, I do know what I'm doing. I can do a good job. And there are are, you know, other ways I can continue to contribute, you know, even if I don't want to stay operational forever. So does that answer your question? It does. Yeah. And it shines some light into, you know, your personality. And, and maybe that's a good segue into question three, which I've been asking a bunch of our classmates. What's something that you wish more people yeah. knew about you? Yeah. First, I have to say, I really appreciate how you phrase this question in that you said, what do you wish more people knew rather than like, what do people not know about you? And it's something that I've actually just learned about myself at BCAP, which we talked about briefly before recording. Those in the army know what BCAP is, but some outside, some who've gotten out might not know. It's the Battalion Commander Assessment Program. And this is the new way that the army is selecting battalion commanders now. So it used to be, you know, a board of, I guess, like colonels and maybe some GOs would look at your file. They would just like look at OERs and rack and stack everybody and then select the top people to be commanders. Now you go through like this really elaborate, rigorous five-day assessment process that includes like obviously take the ACFT, you get height, weight, and then there's all kinds of like psychological assessments, strategic assessments. They There's like a writing sample. You do like this team building exercise. And I mean, I think at its core, it's meant to, to root out toxic leaders, but um I think it also helps identify that like sometimes if you think about the way that you're evaluated in a unit, you know, it's your boss writing an OER for you and then his boss writing a few comments. It's super subjective. And they also, I think probably the most important part of this process is they incorporate feedback from your peers and subordinates. And I really truly believe that I would not have gotten selected for command were it not for this process because I'm not sure that my OERs, given that experience as a field grade, would have would have made the cut. But I think I'm fairly confident that the feedback I got from peers and subordinates like made a difference. But anyway, you get you do a psychological assessment, you know, after answering like all these surveys and stuff. And you sit down with a psychologist and she tells me, you know, I think 
you're a secret introvert. And I was like, what the heck is that? Because most people who know me know I'm like, I'm pretty gregarious and outgoing and like extroverted, social. But I realized like, yeah, I think she's right in the sense that when I need, when I'm stressed or overwhelmed, I really need time to myself to kind of like process things and take it all in and understand what I want to do next. And part of me thought like, this is just like mom life, right? Like once you have kids and everyone is asking everything of you all the time, like it's understandable. You want like, just leave me alone. Just let me go to the bathroom. Right. And so I thought that most of this was like just the result of being a mom, but I've come to realize that that is just like part of my personality. And it's really important to have that self-awareness, especially as a leader, because you have to think about how the way that you behave is going to be perceived by others. And specifically with this secret introvert type of behavior, like if I'm super outgoing and friendly and, and gregarious, and then all of a sudden I'm like shutting down and being really like pensive, like that might throw people off. So if I, yeah, I guess it's helpful for others to know that in the sense that um, don't take it personally. This is just like me processing. Yeah. I was thinking about the secret introvert. I feel like we should have done something similar back yeah. at West Point just to help us early on. And maybe we did. So maybe I'm not giving enough credit to the PL 100 or, or the yeah. BSNL department, but yeah, it sounds so interesting to maybe even understand yeah. how that perception or, or, you know, that personality shapes you as a leader, even at the you know company grade level. That'd be cool. Yeah. I don't know for sure if they're doing it at West Point. I would not be surprised if they are, though, because the the sort of like one of the architects of this BCAP program is Colonel Spain, who runs BSNL. So I'd be surprised if they're not doing something similar with cadets right now. Yeah. Well, you you have to be the one to tell us. And uh... I'll let you know. I'll let you know. <laughs> well, Maria, I'll pivot to question four. So what's something currently in the works or in the future that you're most excited to share about with our audience? I mean, I'm working on my Ph.D., I really hope to wrap it up by next spring. It's an aggressive timeline, but I've got a lot of support both here and, and at Soch. I'm hoping that that pans out because after finishing the program here, I have been selected for battalion command. So in the spring, we'll find out like what the unit assignments are, but I would rather not have trying to finish a dissertation hanging over my head while trying to also command a battalion. So those are the two big things that I'm excited about. Yeah, and I was going to ask about the West Point experience. So you are probably the first classmate that we've had on here who's been to West Point already uh, as a professor, and now you're going back again. I mean, what's going through your mind as you're going back, I guess, for like the third time, so to speak? Yeah. Well, you had Brandon. So Brandon talked That's about right, yep. it. And I of course, really, number one. <laughs> yeah, his, his comments about his experience there really resonated with me because that was super rewarding. Yeah, I think, you know, something I failed to mention, I guess, in the in question two was like, part of what's kept me in is the people like, I mean, the army really is about people. And like, because I did a semester exchange at the Air Force Academy made tons of friends. A lot of them were like, you should come you should cross branch like you want to fly. The difference between those two organizations is like the Air Force is about systems and managing systems. And I really always felt like the army was about people and leading people. And that's what keeps me going, right, is the ability to mentor and develop, you know, those around me, most, you know, mostly subordinates. Like I literally just wrote a letter of recommendation a few weeks ago for one of my former 
captains who's applying to teach. I've done that several times. There's a cadet I taught who is here at Yale and he's going to be getting a master's in public policy and going to Yale Law School. He like stayed with me on his visit. I, I you know bump into him every once in a while on campus. It's just like that is so incredibly rewarding to be able to help people realize their full potential and like be part of that journey. I loved teaching at West Point. I'm super excited to go back. I'm very, very grateful that um, I'm having, I, you know, I have this opportunity. I, I really do feel like it's kind of landing in place for me in, a, in the sense that I can, like I'm marrying, you know, personal objectives and goals and passions with the ability to contribute professionally to my organization. So yeah, I've, I've really enjoyed it. And I think most people do. It might, I don't know, depend on the department, like, you know, part of the social mafia over here. And I, I, I'm super proud of that. I think we're a great department, but it's been awesome. Nice. Yeah. And will you be there for the 20 year at the same time? I don't think so. So because okay. of, because of Italian command, yeah, I'll probably go be in my, yeah, 2026, I'll still be in command. So. Okay, well, we'll make sure that we won't heckle the cadets though during the uh, parade. I'll try to make it. I just don't know what we'll have. I don't know where I'm going. I don't know what we'll right. have going on. So. Well, Maria, maybe I'll pivot to question five. So this is our group hands question, and this is posed by Conrad Brown. And uh, I'll give a bit of a background to before I ask the question. So he, he was talking about how we had all these grand plans as cadets you know, for our future, and I kind of alluded to that. But what thing has happened, and it could be a hobby or just kind of a life milestone, that it's completely off the map that you would have never thought would happen in a million years would have expected. This is an awesome question. This is a really good question. I will say like on the personal slash hobby side of things, I mean, I always wanted a family. So this is not like a weird, this is not something that was unexpected, but I married a cyclist. And even though I bought a bike in flight school and I started doing triathlons and stuff, I never thought that I would be the person that's like watching every random bike race in Europe and like knows the teams and understands the strategy. And yeah, so there's that. I also didn't think I would end up being the mom that gets like, like I'm the mom that does the family theme for Halloween. And it's not like my, it's not like, like it's because of the kids. I'm like, I want to do it. I get super into it, but I don't know. That's me. I'm the like professional on the way the career has turned out. You know, I, I was never like totally sure if I'd stay in or get out or what I do, but when my dad was in the army, we were stationed in Germany. And I always thought like, and my mom is from Spain. So I'd always had this affinity to Europe, but I ended up getting stationed in Korea and traveling a ton around Asia. And I never like kind of had that in my plans. I mean, I always loved to travel. So I would never like rule out going anywhere, but I never expected to have spent so much time in Asia, but I really, really enjoyed it. And I would totally go back. Awesome. Did you get to Korea right out of school or no? no I did it after the career course okay. um, and before company command thankfully I think Korea would be a tough place to be as a lieutenant it's a little bit it, it can be professionally I think like a weird place there's a lot of uh negative influences and distractions that could get people in I've never seen so many people under investigation than when I was stationed in Korea it's strange, oh my goodness. so I, I'm glad I was there a little bit more mature yeah I think Korea was supposed to be my first duty station at the bottom well, I say at the bottom, I was at the bottom of my uh, classmates. So Korea was supposed to be my first duty station, but I, the stars aligned, I guess, mm. after I had my knee injury and got Monterey. So uh, oh I always gosh. wanted to go to Korea, but luckily I was the one classmate who went down to Monterey. And then Matt Hot 
uh, joined me down there as well. So it was good to just reconnect with him. Man, Monterey, that must have been something. That place is amazing. Yeah, no, it's really gorgeous. <laughs> well, I'll bring us to our final question. So what do you want to ask the next classmate? This was really hard because I've been, you know, following the podcast and everyone has already asked such amazing questions and I don't want to repeat. So I'm going to ask, someone has kind of asked this before, but I'm going to reframe it a little bit. So what would you change about West Point? Specifically, what needs to be adjusted to help the institution continue to provide leaders of character into the future? I have an interest in this question, obviously going back and thinking about, you know, and, and going back kind of as a senior, as a more, you know, senior member of the organization, thinking about how the world is changing and how West Point as an institution, you know, while it sort of needs to maintain certain traditions, it needs to also adapt and ensure that it's producing the leaders that can address all of these future challenges. So that's a question I'd like to ask the next person. Great. And I will pose it back to you. And, yeah. and how would you change? There's probably all kinds of like, you know, more strategic answers to this in terms of addressing future challenges. But I, I think in the domestic arena, at least, we would benefit from a more institutionalized and regular connection to the local community. I think this happens a lot, um, not just with West Point, but just across the army where we kind of, we live on post, if we live on post, but we, we do everything on post. We shop on post. It's guarded by gates and we don't necessarily interact with the local community very much. And when you have such a small portion of the American population that serves and it's, you know, sort of regionally focused, I think that that just serves to exacerbate the divide and misunderstandings that can happen between the two communities. So I'd love to see some, some more sort of like you know, systematic programming to connect with the local community through community service, engagement with high schools in the area, and not just like John O'Neill, because that's where all of the professor's kids go, but like Newburgh and Central Valley. And if you, you know, consider sort of the recruitment challenges that the Army's having at the moment, this could maybe even help to address some of those, but maybe some of the more like underserved communities that might not understand or appreciate the opportunities that a career in the army can afford people. I mean, and you can use sports camps, STEM workshops. I know that some of this exists at West Point, but I think it's very much like on a volunteer basis. And I think we could easily get rid of drill. Like it's not 1860 and we don't fight on an open plane. You know, let's do the 8A parade that has significance. Fine, do the graduation parade. Like it's symbolic, it's special. We don't need to be parading for every flipping football game. Bring in some kids from a local high school, have them see what the place is about. I think that that would do much more for character development and for the organization in the long term than walking in a straight line across an open field. I feel like that message will resonate with the majority of our classmates. Maybe the few that were on the color guard or, you know, I don't know what they were doing. Otherwise, you know, that Craig might Bonham say might they... not, or Craig <laughs> Bottom might not agree with me. Yeah. But what we're excited to kind of see, you know, this vision for the future, hopefully, you know, during your time at West Point, it sounded like that was a call to action, but I'll just ask, is there anything else that you'd want to say to our listeners or to our classmates who are out there? I mean, just keep crushing it. I have been so impressed with how everyone's doing and how everyone is trying to contribute in their own way to their communities, whether it be veterans specifically or not. I'm super proud to be part of this class. 
I am too. Thanks, uh, Nuria, for that last message. And uh, just to, as a summary, you know, I want to thank you again for joining us on the show. Bring us into the fold about the, I think the cow motto, right? Don't quit. Like cows don't quit. Cows so, uh, never thanks for quit. <laughs> cows never quit. Thank you for sharing that memory. Uh, also, you know, remembering Dennis as a teammate, uh, and then also your your baggy pants candidate you know, <laughs> that candidate story. I think again, we're gonna have to go back and look for those photos. I learned a lot about the BCAP process and, and uh, thank you for enlightening me and how you discovered you were a secret introvert. And I'm sure all of us will be, uh, again, rooting for you as you wrap up your PhD next year and you and your family continue on to West Point and Battalion Command. And uh, Thanks, I think Matt. you also said being that mom, you know, that does the Halloween theme. So we'll be on the lookout as well. Thanks for doing this, Matt. This has been really awesome. Yeah, I appreciate your time. And uh, with that, never falter, never quit. Till next time. Thanks for listening to O6 Answers. Views, thoughts, and opinions expressed on O6 Answers are the speaker's own and do not represent the views, thoughts, and opinions of the United States Army, Department of Defense, or any other agency, organization, company they have or currently work for. Nor does its use imply endorsement of our opposition to any specific organization, product, or service. Any material presented here is for general information purposes only. Be sure to subscribe so you don't miss the next episode. Connect with us on LinkedIn, Facebook, and Instagram at O6 Answers.